Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Concussion Talk and Phoenix Concussion Recovery Podcast. My name is Lauren Zayax. I work at Wasatch Physical Therapy in Park City, Utah, and I'm a co-founder of Phoenix Concussion Recovery, which is an online website. You can find us at phoenixconcussionrecovery.com. Today, we're going to talk about uh, some of the take-home points from the American Physical Therapy Association's Combined Sections Meeting, or CSM, which took place last week in New Orleans. Uh, one of the big things that was going on there was the concussion um, conversation. However, I also went to some neuropsych talks and some neurodegenerative disease talks as well. So the big thing I want to start off with is what are some of the big take-home points that people are talking about in the concussion world? And first and foremost, we're still talking about this immediate removal from play. Um, it's sort of unfortunate that we still have to be talking about that and people are still learning this information. But uh, most crucial piece of advice that we can give you is that if you're at all questioning whether or not an athlete had a concussion, we want you to make sure that you remove them from play. Uh, one of the studies that was quoted uh, actually showed an increase in 4.9 days of protracted recovery. So athletes who removed right away got better about five days faster than athletes who played one or more plays after the injury. So that's pretty significant. If you're looking to get back to the next game, you want to make sure that you sit out right away, okay, because you could lose another one or two weeks. Um, we want to get back into light activity early. So the big thing, it's still in those new Berlin guidelines, is this moderated rest or complete rest. We're starting to talk about what's symptom-free, what isn't symptom-free. Basically, we aren't putting people in dark rooms anymore. So if you're still putting people on complete rest for one or two weeks, removing them from school for weeks at a time, you need to look into the new research and figure out a new way to set up your guidelines for your clinic. So now about 48 to 72 hours of rest is pretty much the most we should be doing, except in extreme cases, and we should be getting people into light activity. So in our clinic, we'll actually have people go for a 20-minute walk. So just walk around the block. If you're light sensitive, wear glasses. 
If you can't tolerate walk around the block, walk on a treadmill. And so getting people out and moving is the most important thing. You can actually circle back to one of our earlier podcasts where we talk about exercise and concussion and exercise and long-term brain injuries. And you can learn all about the effects from the BDNF and the GABA proteins, the neurotransmitters, all of those things. So um, one of the things that Phoenix actually offers is a return to sport progression. So our active recovery phases start prior to an athlete being ready for phase one. So we've got people stretching, they're doing some gentle mobility, they're walking for 20 minutes. So you can go onto our website at phoenixconcussionrecovery.com and you can actually use our portal for your patients. So if you're not really sure what to do, you can just have them guide through our online program. It's a standardized exercise progression, which is one of the main points that people are starting to talk about. So we should be putting people through the paces. It should be a gradual progression of exercise. They shouldn't be running on the first day, that sort of thing. So you can look to us if you need help creating that in your practice. And then, of course, we have to get back to school before sports. So there should never be an instance where a patient is not in school full time and they are returning to their sport activities. Likewise, there should never be an instance where a patient returns to sport less than seven days from their injury date. So we know that there's a 90% recurrence rate of injury um, in that first seven to 10 days. We know that there are blood flow changes occurring within the brain itself. And so there shouldn't be an athlete returning back to contact sport if they're not in school full time and if they haven't gone through a standardized exercise progression. Um, there's a lot of talk about predictors right now in concussion. Some research articles are saying that there's clear predictors over who's going to do poorly. Some research articles are saying that there's no findings for any of that. Um, what they talked about at CSM was that the only predictors we really have for people who are more likely to have a long-term recovery are migrainers and patients with um, a pre-existing psychological condition like anxiety or depression. So for right now, there's no, there's no other findings saying that if you have this, you're definitely going to get better slower, okay? There's some people who are saying that females get better a little bit slower than the males, but that also makes sense because um, females are unfortunately more likely to be migrainers, so we sort of fill in one of the buckets that we know is a predictive factor. I went to a psych talk, and so they talked a lot about um, the psychological conditions in concussion and the sick patient role or the sick role and becoming identified by your concussion and, and starting to see your concussion as part of who you are and how you live your daily life. And basically, as practitioners, if we buy into this sick role mentality, we're actually causing more harm than good. And so they recommended that if you have a patient who you've sort of identified that they fit this sick role, you know, mom's still doing their laundry for them at 25 and they can't seem to cook for themselves and they move back in with their parents, but their injury really isn't that severe. Now, there are people who um, can no longer be independent, but that's a traumatic brain injury. That's not a concussion. Um, but if mom's doing your laundry and cooking for you and cleaning for you and you're not at work and you're not at school and you're not doing anything, you're obviously going to feel crummy. And then you're also not going to want to do things for yourself because someone else is doing them for you. So learning how to identify these people early on in your recovery process and then finding ways to help them see the other side. So talking to the parents separately, please stop making Johnny's life so easy. Johnny is never going to do the things he needs to do if you keep making his life so easy. Um, we want to help them see that they can do things. So you don't want to ask them about their pain all the time. If all your practitioners do, if you're a patient and you're constantly being asked about your symptoms, then you're going to sit around and think about your symptoms all day, right? And that doesn't mean that there's not objective findings. That doesn't mean you may not have a binocular vision disorder where your eyes don't work together. It doesn't mean you may not have vertigo 
or you may not have dizziness when you're moving about in your environment, but you can also have this mentality where you actually can't get better because you identify with being ill. So the, the key thing for the practitioners is stop asking these patients about their symptoms once you've identified them, and then focus on the things that the patient can do. Wow, this week you were able to do that exercise in 55 seconds, and last week it took you a minute and a half. So help these patients see the objective changes that they're making. And I can tell you these people are hard to work with. I have a lot of them in my practice because I specialize in these chronic cases. But you have to find a way to get them to see the other side, encourage them to go out in their environment, encourage them to walk around. They start to isolate themselves. And so we really want to get them out in the uh, community and realize that it's not so bad and not so scary. Um, they also know that the uh, female married patient gets better a little bit slower, but that makes sense because as you start to have more life demands, you know, maybe you're a mom or you're the primary caregiver, you take care of a lot of things around the house, depending on how traditional your home is, you actually can get better a little bit slower because you just have more demands on your plate. So uh, the, the speaker who talked about this said, we don't recommend divorce for concussed patients, uh, but we do like to acknowledge the fact that married people do get better a little bit more slowly because of their complicated life roles. And I also see that in my practice. So especially um, the primary, the person who brings in the primary income tends to feel like they can't take time off of work, whether that's a male or a female patient these days. Um, it doesn't seem to matter. They do get better a little bit more slowly because they just simply can't accommodate their lifestyle. Let's see here. So then when we talk about psych as well, I want to harp on this because I don't feel like they did a good enough job at CSM talking about it. Um, when a patient has psych conditions, so if we also have depression and anxiety, or maybe we identify with the sick role, it doesn't mean that the patient is crazy, okay? So a patient can have psychological conditions and also have objective findings on exam. So we need to make sure that we're looking at the whole patient. If you're a patient listening to this, just because you have depression or anxiety does not mean you're crazy and it does not mean your symptoms are in your head. But it does mean that you need to be open to treatment and you need to be open to the types of therapy that can help with your anxiety drivers of your symptoms, okay? So we can also have what's called somatization. So this happens when you're in a busy environment and all of a sudden the patient describes that their arms and legs go numb. There's really no reason for their arms and legs to go numb, right? They don't have a, we've cleared their neck, we've cleared their low back, but they still are complaining and they feel this pain. They feel this sensation and it's real to them. And that's the somatization. So we are overwhelmed by our environment and it results in physical symptoms. So these are things that we still need to treat with objective medicine. We still need to help these patients uh, realize that their symptoms are real, but how to channel back the psychological impact that they're having. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy is what we use with our patients. There's also acceptance therapy. So talk therapy doesn't seem to really work all that well. If you're going to a therapist and you've been 20 times and you feel no better, you might want to look for a new therapist, right? And that's nothing against anybody, but it's obviously not working for you. So we know that PTSD and anxiety and depression are common after these long-term head injuries. And we know that cognitive behavioral therapy helps to retrain our brain and the way that we process this information coming in. So if you're not seeing somebody who specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy, then you need to change your provider or add an additional provider. These people are going to give you worksheets. They're going to give you homework. It's all about acknowledging what the sensation is that's coming in, acknowledging how you feel, and then teaching your brain to retrain itself on how it reacts to that stimulus. And that's how we get these people better. 
So we habituate you to going out in your environment and being exposed to other people, places, things. And then we also do um, research-based therapy to help fix the other pieces. Okay. Um, and the other thing I want to talk about briefly is this post-concussion symptoms. So there was some interesting research that came out. Um, there, there's some new equipment with these goggles that they're, they're trying to get people to use. You may have seen them on the news. It's one of the big universities, I think, in California. But there was a study done that's coming out in um, – it came out at the end of 2017, I believe, but it looked at the speed of eye movement, so cicadic eye movement, and they actually found that decreased eye movement speed actually correlated to increased damage on the imaging that they were using. So we know that there are uh, impacts to our eyes early on. Well, the numbers that we use is that there's about 80% of people will have a visual deficit in the first week, but only about 50% of people have deficits long term. So if you are a therapist who's trying to figure out how to identify who's going to get better a little bit slower, you can actually use cicadic eye movement speed to help you identify. You can also use the VOMS. Uh, that's the big one that everyone talks about where they do different movements and you talk about the symptoms increase. And so then you can use that tool to screen your patients and send them on elsewhere. Um, the other big thing they talked about was this blood markers. Um, there was a New York Times piece that came out, I think, a week and a half ago. Um, it actually was, uh, I didn't know this, but because I didn't actually read the study, I was just interested in, in what the New York Times had to say. But they talked about it at the conference this week. And the study was actually done in 2015. So the New York Times is a little behind the times, if you will. Uh, but the, uh, the study actually found that the blood markers related to a bleed. So it was can we decide by a basic blood test who should get a CT scan and who shouldn't? So we are nowhere near a blood test on the sidelines deciding who had a concussion or not, no matter what you read in the newspapers. Um, there's no research to support this idea of a concussion blood test, but we are moving in the right direction. So what they were excited about at CSM is that we're starting to identify blood markers that can tell us if a concussion or if a, if a more traumatic brain injury took place. And we'll be able to dial that back down for a concussion in the long term. But we are not there yet. So very important that you know, don't go in the hospital asking for a blood test because we aren't there yet. Okay. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about, again, was this um, prescription rest. So symptoms, no symptoms. We know that some people are going to have symptoms long term no matter what. There was actually a study that they did um, where they found that non-concussed teenage athletes and concussed teenage athletes actually had similar scores on that post-concussion symptom survey. So just because someone has a two or a three on their symptom survey doesn't mean that they're still actively concussed. Now, that doesn't mean you should go away on the other side and just start returning people willy-nilly, right? We need to have a objective uh, measures. We need to have a graded exercise return to sport protocol. We need to do our neurocognitive testing. But we have to understand that this whole idea of symptom free doesn't make any sense because you might have not slept well last night. If you didn't sleep well and you had to go to work today, you'll notice you might feel slower mentally or you might have a headache or you might feel dehydrated and so you have a headache or dizziness, right? And so we need to use our clinical decision-making skills. And if you don't feel confident making these choices, then you need to get somebody on your team who is confident. And it's okay to have to call in somebody else. We don't have to be silos. We don't have to all practice individually. We can have a team effort. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're asking other questions. Did you sleep okay? Have you always slept poorly? Have you always been a headache person? 
Have you always been crummy at school, right? If you're if you're suddenly getting C's after a concussion, that's a big deal. But if you were a C student before and you're a C student now, um, that's really not that, that's not from the concussion. We can't blame it on that, right? So we want to really make sure that we're not, um, we're not resting to the point where we're actually causing physical harm to our patients. We want to make sure that there are psychological conditions. We let our patient feel valued and we understand that there can be objective findings at the same time. And then we want everybody exercising. So no matter what your condition is, whether it's cardiovascular disease, it's a concussion, it's sleep deprivation, it's bipolar disease, it's Alzheimer's, what the research shows is that exercise daily makes all of these conditions better. So daily exercise is the most important thing that you can do. If you're confused about what to do for exercise, go ahead and check back in with our exercise podcast and you can learn all about the neurotransmitters and the different types of exercise that you can do. Um, so that's basically CSM in a nutshell. I hope you found this helpful. And uh, if you have any more questions, you can always contact us through our Phoenix Concussion Recovery website. And I'd be happy to answer any questions. Um, I'm on Twitter at LZ Concussion. Uh, we're on Facebook, Phoenix Concussion Recovery. So we're all over the place. Um, and if you're in the Utah area, then you can come on by and visit us at Wasatch Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine. And that's about it. Anything, Nick, from you? Uh, that was very interesting and very helpful. So thank you, Lauren. That was a great, that was a very interesting podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren, for a very interesting podcast. Please remember that March is Brain Injury Awareness Month, so please support your local brain injury community. As always, the music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound, www.bensound.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.